Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Nothing personal word of the day, Thursday, January 20th, 2022. The word is knock. Bruce Arians is the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have a huge divisional playoff game coming up this weekend. Trying to make it back to the NFC Championship. Trying to defend their Super Bowl championship. Trying to win back-to-back, which, as you know, in any sport is hard. As a matter of fact, just in life, back-to-back is pretty hard. And Bruce Arians caused a bit of a distraction when he was fined yesterday $50,000 by the National Football League for knocking a player off the field on the neck, slapping him on the neck, elbowing him in the shoulders, pulling him off a pile. He wasn't actually on a pile. It was one of his players named Andrew Adams. Doesn't really matter. It was a... Maybe a big play in the game, doesn't really matter. It was not as severe as it sounds, that doesn't really matter. He didn't take an elbow and do like a cock shot right to his face when he wasn't looking. He didn't tackle him from behind. He didn't go head to head. I mean, Bruce Arias doesn't wear pads. Unlike in baseball, the actual coaches in football are not wearing a uniform, certainly not wearing pads. When you watch the play, which you can YouTube or Google or do whatever you want, but I just described it to you. He walked, you know, Bruce Arians is a big guy. He carries a grandpa sack, a Zadie sack, like a waist pack, a hip pack. And he puts it over his shoulder. He's got wires and headphones. He's just a hot mess when he coaches. Schlepping around stuff. There's someone who's paid during a game just to like, carry his wires and make sure everything is good and he's not tangled up when he's running around and he's bringing it down. He's the guy who had the the face mask that he that got all fogged up and he couldn't see. Anyway, so his situation is very simple. He's coaching a team. He's trying to motivate a team. He doesn't want any non- unnecessary penalties. So he goes and gets a player away from a fracas a scrum, some sort of post-play shimshammer. And that's it. The play moves on. Go home. Video is looked at by the commissioner's office, by the NFL. An announcement is made that basically, conduct unbecoming and not befitting the gravitas of a coach in the NFL. You are fined 50 grand. Keep in mind, coaches can be fined anything. There is a limit to what players can be fined because that is negotiated in a collective bargaining agreement. Coaches are not members of the players' union, OVS. Coaches are front office employees of teams, OVS. 
There is no limit to what the commissioner can do to a front office executive or a coach. Obvs. But Bruce Arians, after being fined $50,000 and getting the call, because here's how that works, when we had a manager fined, no problem, they call us. We then say to the manager, you're about to get a letter from the football league, from the Major League Baseball, that you've been fined blank amount for your ejection, for touching an umpire, or fighting with an umpire, whatever the case may be. Given what we're going to talk about next, I apologize for the use of that word. That was an incorrect word to use. So you go down, you talk to your coach, you tell him what's going to happen. The coach then says, well, are, are you going to pay that or am I paying that? 99 times out of 100, the team will pay the fine for the coach. In this case, they went down to talk to Arians, and he was upset enough that he is going to appeal. And that is completely within the boundaries. You are allowed to appeal any fine when you're a front office executive or a coach. But the problem that Bruce Arians has is the Urban Meyer issue. Now, just hear me out on this because it's going to sound attenuated, but I can draw a line from Urban Meyer having it come out that he kicked a player in practice to him getting fired to Bruce Arians being fined. Here's how that line goes. When Urban Oscar Meyer was fired, as you remember, whenever that happened in Jacksonville with all the craziness that went on with him, and it was all too much. They got rid of him. Fine. And as you recall, he got fired on the day or the day after it was reported that during a practice, he had actually had physical contact with the player. And, And the NFL was furious because they are trying to give you, the fan, the notion that A, it's not a violent sport, that B, they are taking care of their players, they're worried about concussions, and C, they are not going to allow for any sort of abuse like in the National Hockey League, in the Junior Leagues, in the Little Leagues. They are, they are going to be above reproach. Forget that it's the most violent sport that little kids don't want to play, shouldn't be playing. But they want you to know that they're going to take it very seriously if anybody gets abused. What bothered me is this is not what abuse is. We're going to talk about abuse. This ain't it. This is a coach that went up to his player and said, get off the field, like tugging at his jersey, slapping him on the head. He basically slapped him on the helmet. Have you ever worn a football helmet? I did in eighth grade. Yep, a five-foot, 100-pound kid begged my mother to play tackle football in eighth grade just so I could potentially maybe get out of the ducky friend zone and be looked at as the cool bad boy. Put on the pads and I was scared out of my mind. I was worried, of course, I was me in eighth grade. I'm the same as I am now in many regards. I would calculate if I try to tackle that person and I miss by two inches, I could have a spinal cord injury. Oh, yeah, I could get a stinger. What about my hamstrings? I'm going to get run over. Don't throw me the ball. Don't pass them. I'm going to play defense. Let me play cornerback because then I can just maybe try to tackle, but I'm not going to go across the middle. Anyway, with the helmet on, and I would wear my helmet all the time because I thought I was cool, and I put my mouth guard. You buy those mouth guards that you have to imprint with your teeth. You put them in boiling water, and then you have your own mouth guard. I thought I was the coolest kid in the world. You put on the hip pads, the neck cover, the whole thing. 
Anyway, suffice it to say, I did not play after eighth grade. And suffice it to say, all the girls would date all the football players, and I would just get to have sleepovers at their houses because I was always the friend. I'm sorry. Am I off the subject? <laughs> so a slap on the hat, on the helmet, you barely feel it. But the NFL had to find him $50,000. Bruce Arians had to appeal. And I have a bonus wait to see Coke as I'm thinking through this and we're preparing for the show. Here it is. Ready? The fine to Bruce Arians of $50,000 market. It will be reduced on appeal. Bruce Arians will appeal and the NFL will reduce it. Even though they're trying to make an example out of Bruce Arians, the fine is a little hefty for me. 50K for a knock? All right, now we got to get serious. And we're going to get serious about a topic that you asked about. And I, I don't know, Coco, do we play the music for the segment or we just go right into the segment? What do you want to do? You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson is a segment where you get into my Twitter at David P. Samson and ask me a question. And here's a, sometimes it'll make the show. Hello, Dave. I'm David, by the way, but hello. The University of Michigan agreed to pay victims of sexual abuse $490 million and said they would not be involved in the distribution. Is that normal? Well, I appreciate that you asked about this because I was gonna talk about this today no matter what. We've spent many a segment talking about Michigan State and Nassar and USA Gymnastics and how that man could not spend enough years in prison. We haven't spent a minute talking about Dr. Robert Anderson, who from 1966 to the 2000s was involved in Michigan, University of Michigan as a team doctor for all sports, men and women, was accused by over a thousand people over a course of 50 years, basically, under 50 years, sorry. 40 years of taking advantage of athletes, mostly male, some female. And he died in 2008. So these abuses came to light after he died. And the University of Michigan was sued and settled with 1,050 people or 1,030 people, one of those two and agreed to pay $490 million. When you agree to pay that amount, your focus is on one thing. The statements that you make, they're not your focus. I'm sorry to all the Wolverines out there. But the statement by the chair of the University Board of Regents was, we hope this settlement will begin the healing process for survivors. At the same time, the work that began two years ago when the first brave survivors came forward will continue. Settlements don't bring healing. They don't bring closure. There is no healing. There is no closure when you've been the victim of abuse. The distribution that is not being done by the University of Michigan is not being done purposefully by them. They have independent people. We reviewed a movie about this. There are independent people and companies who are assigned to hear everybody's story and to assign a dollar amount to the horror that these kids experienced. How many times were you given a prostate check as a child? 
How many times were you fondled? And I say children, these were students. They make the decision. University of Michigan gets to say, we are not going to opine on whose abuse was worse. We need to have a total number because that's the only way we can run our business. So not only did Michigan settle for $490 million, they also had to, as part of the settlement, set aside in a separate account, you literally set aside money in an account, you create a new account for $30 million for any future people who come out and are judged to have been abused by this monster who never was charged, never had to pay for what he did. By doing this, University of Michigan gets to have $520 million and they move on. They have to say that they're going to continue, but this was meant as closure. That sort of outstanding liability for a university, for a business, for anybody is an unacceptable risk. You have to be able to know exactly what you owe, not to who, just how much. There was a lawyer who came out who represented several hundred of the victims who talked about how he went to mediation, how it all went down. He said, it's been a long and challenging journey, and I believe this settlement will provide justice and healing for the many brave men and women who refuse to be silenced. And that is, again, Horsaki. This settlement provides payment for that lawyer. It doesn't provide justice. Ask any one of the victims, and they will tell you justice has not been served here. Universities across the country are paying close attention to everything that's gone on since Nasser. This case, Anderson, which is even bigger than Nasser. Because team doctors, team trainers, university team trainers, this was something that we thought about on a major league baseball team. We did our physicals in a room where there were always more than one person. We had team doctors who had assistants, dentists, internists, orthopods. We didn't want there to be any question about any sort of conduct. And we wanted more people around for injury discussion, more doctors, more opinions, with one head doctor, of course. We never had any situation on our major league team the way they had on the hockey team. But all teams are responsible for the health of all of their employees, mental health, physical health. But for colleges, that is even more so. These are minors. Now you're going to say they're 18 or older. They can drink. Actually, they can go to war. They can't drink. I view college students, I guess in the rearview mirror as my age, but I view them a little differently. The duty to protect is far more significant and the opportunity to exploit is endless. I want to give attention to someone named Tad DeLuca who basically was the whistleblower in this case. 
that's a terrible word to use that the media is using. He's not really a whistleblower. He's someone who is brave enough to come forward and start this investigation because once one person starts, people feel like they can try. They can try to relive. We're not talking about young people right now. These are older people who have gone through their life and are realizing the trauma they've had. He gave a quote that said, the settlement is going to gloss things over so Michigan can go back to having a glossy block M and look wonderful for the world. But the situation on campus is horrible. Remember, Michigan's president just got released. There's a whole lot of work that has to be done at the University of Michigan. So they could not have the distraction under any circumstance of this continuing lawsuit. Lawyers for the victims took advantage of that. Unfortunately, my view is that settlement is too low. There is no compensation that can make up. This Dr. Anderson, when you read about what he did and the hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people where, who he was alone with and molested and fondled, that level of sickness and depravity is something I cannot even understand. And you're talking about a Horace Mann graduate here. So the answer is it is normal to not be involved in the distribution when you are forced to pay a settlement. All the pharma settlements, all the other big time class action settlements, the distribution is done by independent parties. Totally normal. That's about the only normal thing going on in Ann Arbor. We come back, we're gonna review the new Marvel movie and we will have an MLB lockout update. We'll be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Thank you for rating, reviewing, following, telling your friends about Nothing Personal, building our audience, which continues to build every day. Thank you for being interested in that wedding episode from Monday, the wedding recap episode. I appreciate that. I'm still recovering from the wedding. It's three days later. As a matter of fact, the wedding weekend started a week ago today with something called an ufruf. Anufarif is a service where you go where our, our daughter read from the Torah, had an aliyah as well. It's a celebration of the beginning of the wedding process. And then you go eat a bagel. So it's been a week already. I cannot imagine. So Coca calls me the other day and says, did you watch Eternals yet? And I said, no, is that the new 
movie on Disney Plus. So there's a two and a half hour movie on Disney Plus, and it's a Marvel movie because it's superheroes based on the Marvel comics. I'm trying to put this as nicely as I can. And I'm okay with Angelina Jolie. I really am. Although she's become a caricature of herself. I'm fine with... (laughs) I'm fine with superpowers that are bizarre. I'm fine with stories that want to and need to include diversity, gender equality. I'm in on all of it. But there's one thing I'm not fine with. I'm not fine with bad writing and a storyline that is so confusing that it's not even worth it to me to try to figure out. When you've got a movie that starts with a crawl of sentences that you have to read that introduces all of these different characters and things that have gone on and then a movie that goes back and forth from present day to 5,000 years ago to 10,000 years ago to 500 years ago it just doesn't work the Eternals is an Avenger movie not an Avenger movie there are no Avengers it's a Marvel movie that I'm sorry to say you must skip and you're welcome. I have just saved you 150 minutes of your life, which means you're giving me 45 now. You are plus 105 minutes. Even if you think this show stinks, you are still in a plus situation. All right, I want to get right to the MLB update. So, Do you remember we talked, I don't know, when was it, Coca, when there was a meeting? I think it was a week ago today, actually, where MLB had a meeting with the Players Association. They submitted a proposal, and we said, what's next? And I said, what's next is a response from the players, and a response is going to be coming soon. Well, it's coming soon. Word leaked out through the usual sources, so that's not a... That's not a speculation. When you are in a collective bargaining negotiation and I want to compliment the players union and the owners, there has been very little public back and forth. We actually had to wait to see that after Max Scherzer's interview that the owners would have some sort of response. I have not seen any public posturing yet. I haven't seen any owners commenting, which I thought I would. I'm not willing to say the wait to see is a no yet. I'm not even willing to say it was a wait to see. But I'm willing to say that if it had been a wait to see and it hasn't happened yet, we're still going to wait to see because I cannot imagine that the commissioner will stay quiet and the owners will stay quiet through the pendency of this lockout because from a PR standpoint, they're getting ripped, torched. So the Players Association is going to respond, and I want to tell you what to expect when that response gets leaked out, because here's how it works. First you leak, there's going to be a response. Then you give a response, you have a meeting with the owners. Then you leak what was in the response, and then you leak what the reaction was to the response. As you recall, after the meeting when the 
owners gave a proposal to the players, it was leaked very quickly that the players' response was disappointing. Not like Jerry Jones level disappointing, extremely disappointing. It was just disappointing, but not surprising. And I told you not to panic because we were only in the end of the beginning. Well, with this proposal that comes back, what I am looking for is for this proposal from the players to be the beginning of the middle of the lockout. For the proposal to be the beginning of the middle of the lockout and to take the next step, it will have to include several differences from the players' initial requirements, but not all. What do I mean? I think the players are going to propose and agree to a universal DH. I believe the players are going to ask for arbitration for all Super 2 players, not just more Super 2 players than what baseball had agreed to. Super 2 are players who get to be arbitration eligible for four years as two years of service, three, four, and five. The union wants those younger players to get more money because in arbitration you make more money than the first two or three years when you play when you make whatever the team tells you to make above the minimum. It's all about getting more money to the younger players, so their proposal will be all Super 2 players are now in arbitration. Their proposal will allow for expanded playoffs. Their proposal will comment on the three-team lottery that MLB wants to do. The players have countered with eight. They are going to counter with five. They are going to give in on the team lottery, including fewer teams at the end of a season. That's all part of the tanking solution. Why would you tank to have the worst record when you're not guaranteed the top pick? You could have the fifth worst record and still get the top pick if you win the lottery. Baseball wants it only to be three teams that are in the lottery. The players want eight. They're going to compromise on that. The luxury tax, which was not discussed in the owner's first proposal post-lockout, will be in the player's response. I'm looking for the players to try to move the ball by offering a luxury tax threshold, starting at a number that is lower than what they've asked for in the past. I'm looking for players to respond about free agency, not in the way they had but to acknowledge that free agency will not be five years for all. Free agency will be five years for some through some cockamamie calculation based on age, maybe production. My point of telling you all the specifics that I think they're going to ask for is that for the first time in this lockout, the player's response will include the tiniest bit of movement. The owners will still say we're not close. It's not enough. There's a fundamental misunderstanding here. They will do that, and that's totally fine. However, there will be enough movement in this response that I will be able to then tell you we are at the beginning of the middle. We'll see what happens, but get ready. The player's response to the owner's offer, it's coming soon to a theater near you. Knock, knock. That was our word of the day. Knock was the word of the day. There's another knock that's happening today. Hi, Mark, can I come in? 
Sure, Rich, come on in. Mark Davis is the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders. Mark Davis is interviewing a guy named Rich Pisaccia to be the head coach. You know who that is, right? That's the interim coach. That's the guy who is coaching the Raiders this season after John Gruden got canned. By the way, I just read in Coca's reminding him in my ear, it wasn't in the show today, but it is worth mentioning. I could do a whole segment on this, Coca. But the NFL had to submit a 26-page motion to dismiss in that John Gruden lawsuit. That crazy lawsuit where there was no release signed by Gruden before his settlement with Mark Davis and with the NFL. So John Gruden is suing them. There is no way this court, this case goes to court. There is no way this case is not dismissed. It's absurd what Gruden was claiming. The NFL has a 26-page memo. It's online. It's fun to read. I read it last night, Coca. Right after I played Wordle at 12.03, I read the motion to dismiss, and it's funny, right? The NFL is saying, hey, John Gruden's claiming that we singled him out. We, we had emails. He, he's not even denying he wrote the emails. All the emails that were misogynistic, homophobic, that were mean and rude and horrible toward the NFL and Roger Goodell and everyone else. <laughs> Gruden's like, I, I wrote the emails, but I shouldn't have been fired. Anyway, they're going to lose. So, knock, knock. Come in, Rich. Rich Pisaccia comes in. Mark Davis, the owner, says, sit down. I'd like to interview you for the head coaching job. Rich walks in and says, thank you, Mark. I've got something I'd like to show you. I'd like to show you the stats since I took over versus when John was here. I want to show you our season, and then I'd like you to pay close attention to the 10 things that happened, four of which are public, six of which never went public, that went wrong with our players, that if I had not been in control of the clubhouse, would have been the end of our season. There is no getting to know me because you know me. What would you like to ask me, Mark? Well, tell me, Rich, how would you handle a situation when you need a tie game to make the playoffs and you're driving down the field and you could fumble and the Chargers could recover and score and we would have missed the playoffs? Well, Mark, I deal with that the way that you told me to deal with that, which is to go for the win. Wait a minute, Rich, how do you deal with practice? Well, Mark, you've been to practices. You see the game plans. Well, I'd like to get to that next. We're talking about practice. Well, Mark, we've lived together. You know that I do no pads on Tuesday. I give off on Monday. I have the game plan in right after the game because I don't go home after Sunday. That's how hard I work. You know that I've got a cot because I asked the formerly now fired GM, Maycock, if I could have a bed in the office so you know exactly what my work ethic is. Well, but wait a minute, Rich, I have a question. How do you feel about player development in the draft? That's true, Mark, you got me. I was not involved in the draft because I wasn't the coach yet. I'm happy to be as involved as you want or not involved, but you know very well, oh, it's Mayock, sorry. Thank you, Coca. Coca's been, I've been ignoring him. Like, it's not Maycock, it's Mayock. All right. Oh, I lost my train of thought. Coke is so good at beating my ear that sometimes he knows to wait 
and other time. Oh, NFL draft. Thank you. I'm not in the NFL. I don't get involved in the NFL draft, but I'm happy to if you want. If you want me to be GM, I don't want to do both, but I'm happy to work with whatever GM you hire. I'm not going to make you hire anybody. I can work with everybody. You know what my players think about me because look, I've got all these testimonials from the players who love playing with me. Why is it that owners feel they have to interview their interim managers, their interim coaches? Do you know what you're trying to accomplish in an interview? I'm just throwing it out there for all of you people who actually interview others. What you're trying to accomplish is whether or not you can work with that person and whether that person can help you look better because they can help you do your job better or they can do the job better than someone else. And it's pure speculation. It's hearsay. You look at their record with another team. You look and talk to people where you try to guess their leadership skills. You try to figure out, is it even remotely possible that they can take the step from coordinator to coach? Can they handle the game planning and what comes with it? Can they execute the game planning? You are trying to speculate when you've got an interim who has been your coach, you've watched them, you already know the answer to all your questions. I vehemently disagree with interviewing an interim manager and interview coach after a season because it's eyewash. If you don't want to give the job to Rich on a full-time basis, I'm fine. If you have a deal with Jim Harbaugh, I'm fine. If you have a deal with anybody else or you just want somebody who's a bigger name, taller, shorter, I'm fine. But don't pretend that you are actually interviewing your interim for the permanent job to remove the interim tag. There is no bigger crock in all of sports. And Mark Davis is going through that right now. I think he's going to have to announce quickly what he's doing with Rich because he knows already. He knows before he walks in. There's not one question he asked that he didn't know what the answer was going to be, as opposed to other times you do an interview where you're not exactly sure what the answer is going to be. But more importantly, you're not exactly sure how the job will be done. And by the way, what order is he going in? All these teams that have GMs and coaching vacancies. It's the Vikings. It's the Bears. It's the Raiders, it's the Giants. Four out of 32 teams, more than 10% of the teams are looking for GMs and coaches. And there may be more that I can't think of. You gotta hire the GM first, don't you? Even when you are an owner like Mark Davis who hired Gruden before he hired Mayock. Gruden was the de facto GM there, by the way, not Mayock, but I digress. Don't you want to at least give the impression that the GM has some sort of say? Doesn't really matter. Good luck, Rich, with that interview. I'm sure it went great. I'll give you a wait to see about the Raiders in that interview. This is an official one, Coco. Wait to see when we tell you something's going to happen. If it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Here's a wait to see. Rich, you're not getting the Raiders job. Sorry. Rich Bisaccia will not be named the permanent full-time coach of the Raiders. Just wait to see. All right, nothing personal pick of the day.
I'm angry. My pick of the day was the Nets, and the Nets covered. I should have won, but I got greedy and went for a parlay, and my parlay was the Lakers because I thought that they were home against the Pacers. It's a slam dunk. If you want your coach to remain your coach and you know your coach is day-to-day, which is what we discussed yesterday, is it not clear that you've got to win that game? When the Nets beat the Timberwolves, I said, I'm going to go to 11-4. and This is outstanding. And the Lakers blew it in the fourth quarter. So the parlay lost, and we are now 10-5. and So I'm waiting up after Wordle reading about things, watching these games play out, thinking to myself, am I really going to watch Frank Vogel get fired now? Because if you're day-to-day and you lose to the Pacers at home, I assume that's it. So I'm monitoring Twitter and I'm waiting for updates and I'm toggling down whatever I'm doing. And then word is, Frank Vogel is getting on the plane to Orlando. Rumors of him being dismissed are wrong because he's on the plane. Three times we made our manager get on the plane to a road city and then fire him in that road city. So I hardly find that dispositive. That said, Frank Vogel is still the coach of the Lakers. I got to read something to you. It's pretty good. So the Lakers have been in the news because we know that there have been issues. We know that Kurt Rambis went down and spoke to Vogel about playing time and there's day-to-day nature. We covered it yesterday. So Russell Westbrook last night did not play the final four minutes of the game against Indiana. And the question is, did he not play because he's bad? Did he not play because he's hurt? Did he not play because management didn't want him to play? Did he not play because management did want him to play, but Vogels didn't want him to play, and he was having a power struggle right before being fired? We've had that before with managers where they try to show the front office they've made a mistake. Jack McKeon did that to me once, at least once. We brought up a kid he didn't like, and he brought in the kid to pitch with the bases loaded as his first ever outing. Of course, he gave it up, and then Jack said, what do you expect? You give me players, I'm going to use them. I can't win the Kentucky Derby with a donkey. That was one of his favorite lines. So there's a lot that goes on on the court, on the field. (sighs) Frank Vogel's going to get fired, isn't he, Coca? It has to happen. But he's on the plane. He took a red eye to Orlando. The Lakers stink. Carmelo Anthony gave a quote. I know you saw it. Because did I tweet about that when I saw this? I would have normally. I see it everywhere now in movies. All these people copying me. Drives me crazy. Carmelo Anthony, when talked about Russell Westbrook, when asked about him not playing, said, I don't think it's nothing personal. Yeah. It's quite personal, actually, Carmelo. Because you've got a fight on your hands with your coach in your front office. You'll see how that ends. All right. It's January 20th today. Today is the one-year anniversary. I tricked you. You thought I was going to say the one-year anniversary since the Biden inauguration. Oh, no, another political. Am I going to do it? No, it's the one-year anniversary of when I got COVID. I have now become a statistic. I've been dreading January 20th, 2022 for 11 months. 
I had no idea what the year would bring for me, actually. The reason I'm dreading it is that the doctors I've seen have told me that as of today, I am now officially in deep, deep trouble of never being able to smell or taste again. I'm trying to smell things right now. As Does this thing smell that I got us, Coca? I got us, if you're watching this on the Nothing Person with David Sampson YouTube channel, I bought this color coral universal dust cleaner somewhere on Amazon, and we use it to dust our computers. Coca, do you smell anything with this? Are you there? Are you trying to smell something else? <laughs> I don't know why I'm joking. I woke up this morning before the show. I stuck my nose in a bunch of coffee beans, which I have. I don't even drink coffee. And I ate a black jelly bean just to see. Nothing. I thought it was coming back at one point. It's all in my head. So I don't know what I'm going to do now. I'm not looking for sympathy. Believe me, I got no problems. I'm just saying that I didn't want January 20th to happen. And it did. The thing with COVID is that now if you're vaccinated or boosted, it's very unlikely you're going to die unless you've got a bunch of comorbidities. I've talked a lot about vaccines. I don't understand why people aren't vaccinated. I really don't. It's your choice, though. I mean, I'm fine with it. Don't want to be vaccinated? Don't be vaccinated. You know, right? The, 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 the math is the math. You know, with Omicron, very few people are losing their taste and smell. I got COVID before there was a vaccination even available. When I got COVID, I had my finger in a pulse oximeter with fever for eight days. Now it's maybe just a cold, some flu-like symptoms. If you're vaccinated. Story came out yesterday about Hannah Horka, who is a, lives in the Czech Republic. And she's a non-vaccinated singer, like a folk singer or something. And the article said that she's dead. She's dead from COVID. There's been millions dying from COVID. But let me ask you about this person. She purposefully gave herself COVID because the rules in the Czech Republic were that if you wanna go into a movie theater or any sort of public gathering, a sauna, you have to have something called a health pass. Sort of like in New York, if you want to go into a restaurant or a Broadway show, you have to show your Vax card. You want to be vaccinated? No problem. You can't go inside. Fine. Those are the rules. She wanted to live her life again. So she gave herself COVID because she said, once I recover, you get a health pass in the Czech Republic if you recover from COVID. So she went public saying, hey, I'm going to get myself COVID. If you've got COVID, come lick me. Turns out her partner and child had COVID. She did not quarantine from them. She stayed in the house. Her partner and child were vaccinated. She was such an anti-vaxxer. She basically hung around in the house, got COVID, thought she had recovered from COVID, gave a quote that said, I survived it. It was intense. But now I get to go to a theater, the sauna, a concert. Life is here for me. This was the right plan. And then she died. She died as a direct result of COVID. And I'm just throwing this out there. I'm just spitballing. Why? 
I'd like the top five reasons why people would want to get this infection. Do you want it so you can have herd immunity? Do you want it so you can say you had it and then you've got the antibodies? What if you are the statistic? There's a good chance that when you get into a New York City taxi and you don't put on a seatbelt, that you're gonna be just fine. There's also the possibility that your teeth are gonna go through the glass panel, plastic panel, whatever it is. My point is, stats are stats, math is math. Everyone makes a decision. I'm not blaming anybody for what this woman did. Her life, her decision, to me, it's Charles Darwin at work. Except now she has a son who doesn't have a mother. And the son gave a quote that said, I know exactly who influenced her, talking about the anti-vaxxers. It makes me sad that she believes strangers more than her proper family. It wasn't just total disinformation, but also views on natural immunity and antibodies acquired through infection. Meaning that she was one of the believers of the insanity, drink bleach, drink your pee, put your head in the sand for a week and a half, breathe through a straw. All of this misinformation that is perpetuated through conspiracy theories, through quack science, it usually doesn't have a face to it, except a face of craziness, right? Except a face of someone who says, yeah, I'm in. My body, my choice, I'm Kyrie, I'm Aaron, I'm immunized, I don't need to be vaccinated. It's the face of fame. How many places around the world is the face of the non-vaccinated the face of death? I ask you, make your own decision, please. But just know, it could be your turn. You could be the stat. It's a poke in the arm. Do whatever you want. <sighs> That's all I got for you, Coco. It's January 20th. The word of the day was knock. It's just business. This is nothing personal. 